In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For those of you that don't know me, uh, I'm Deb Sternke, and I'm part of the College Preachers of Preachers, and it's uh, a joy to be able to share good news with us this morning. We're in this season of Advent, uh, a season of anticipation, of longing, of preparation. And last week, Matt preached to us uh, that Advent prepares us for the radicalization of God's kingdom. And our lectionary passages today uh, have interesting themes. I felt a little bit of like one of these things is not like the other. (laughs) You know, there's Zephaniah who's saying, sing, shout aloud, be glad and rejoice. Isaiah, who's saying, give praise and sing for joy. And then Paul to the Philippians, rejoice again, more. And then John the Baptist, happy Advent, you brood of vipers. (laughs) Whoa, this is a record scratch moment, right? It's like, wait, what? There's burning and cutting and axes and rocks and snakes and winnowing forks like jeepers john nobody wants to be chastised at christmas time like i want to eat spritz cookies and smell cinnamon so how can we hear this passage as authentic good news because it really feels like there's two different themes going on here there's joy and there's judgment and there's rejoicing and there's repenting so which is it is god coming to rejoice over us with singing Or is he coming to baptize us with fire? The good news today is that it's actually both. Today we proclaim the good news that God's judgment of love is coming. His good, delivering, healing, life-saving, life-giving judgment. This Advent we prepare by welcoming and embracing his judgment through repentance. And as we allow judgment to do its work in us, We are swept up together into the joy of salvation. See, we don't get the good news of joy unless we also face the good news of judgment because there's no real joy without justice and there's no justice without judgment. But it can be difficult to read this passage, especially if when we think about God, The image of him that comes to mind is one where he's pissed off, he's angry, he's annoyed, he's ready to smite everybody, (laughs) which is common images for a lot of people. I remember my coworker said to me once, I could never step foot in a church. I'd burn up immediately. Has anyone heard the quote, what image comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you? I think Tozer said it. See, it's important because you see everything through that image, and it forms you, and it shapes you. Another way to say it is, what comes into your body when you think about God? Because our image of God is, it's not always readily available to our minds, but inevitably it comes up into the surface of our, in our bodies, in our, in our feelings, and our reactions. And we see God that way. And when we see him that way, the words judgment and repentance fill us with dread. 
And this way of seeing God is a powerful motivator, but it's not the gospel. It's based on bad theology that's done damage to the church. It's done damage, and it's kept us and others from the very thing that can bring us healing. So we need a new imagination for the words judgment and repentance. We need to see those words differently. And Advent is a time, a call to re-see. So what if, like we sang last week, what if God's judgment is love? A love that's illuminating and purifying and reorienting. What if the refining fire of his judgment is a mercy and a grace? An opposition to everything that hinders love, which isn't people, it's sin. It's the injustices, the hierarchies that protect oppressors, the abuses of power, the oppression of the weak and the vulnerable. If his judgment is justice, then it's everything being made right. It's separating out the good from the bad and discerning righteousness. So what if his judgment isn't punishment, but it's actually healing and wholeness? Five years ago, uh, when I was 39, I found out that I had breast cancer. Uh, The treatment was that I had to have surgery. And in that experience, I didn't see the surgeon and worry that she was angry with me, she was annoyed, and that she was going to destroy me. I saw her as one who was going to save me, who was going to extend my life, who was going to heal me and take away that which was going to destroy me. See, the surgeon's knife was the judgment against my cancer, which brought me great joy because I now get to live out my life with my family and my friends. So the surgeon's judgment brought me a joy of salvation. So judgment and joy go together. There's joy in justice. And rejoicing and repenting go together too. We rejoice in our repenting. Repentance isn't beating our head against the floor or feeling really bad about our sins. It's a response that draws us towards the divine life. And it changes everything about how we see. Repenting is the best thing that could happen to us today. Because it's how we participate in and cooperate with God bringing us home and restoring us. And it's through repentance that we recover our original and ancient beauty because it's us becoming human. So repentance means becoming human, seeing others and ourselves as we are, children of God, which fills us with hope and expectation. Today we proclaim the good news that God's judgment of love is coming. His good, delivering, healing, life-saving, life-giving judgment. This Advent, we prepare by welcoming and embracing his judgment through repentance. And as we allow judgment to do its work in us, we're swept up together into the joy of salvation. In our text today, people are coming out to be baptized by John. 
He's calling them to repentance. And he quickly makes it clear that he's not interested in their being baptized merely to participate in a sacred rite, but that the act represents and points to a new way of responding to God. And there's three different groups that ask him in response, what should we do? It's the the crowd, the tax collectors, and the soldiers. And he spends time narrating what repentance looks like to them. And he advises each group slightly differently, giving them all an embodied way to respond. According to their jobs, their possessions, and their relationships. And all of them involve acts of mercy and justice that have socioeconomic after effects. So the crowd asks John in response, what should we do? And he says, if you have more than you need, share with those that don't. John expresses ethical and social concern for the physically vulnerable. Gives them this call to willingly give to others and meet their needs. And the tax collectors ask John in response, what should we do? It actually says even the tax collectors. (laughs) Because they were seen as crooked and deceitful, and essentially they were middlemen who added their own charges onto the tax collection to be able to make more. And John says to them, in a field known for corruption and greed, be fair and honest in your work. Your collection should reflect a commitment to justice. Essentially, he tells them, work out your salvation the substance of repentance within the day-to-day activities of your duties as tax collectors. He doesn't tell them to seek out a new job. He doesn't tell them quit and go find something else that's less corrupt. He says, perform the job that you have faithfully, compassionately, and let that be a reflection of God's justice. And finally, the soldiers ask, what should we do? And he speaks to the typical ways that soldiers manipulated the people. And he says, don't take advantage of your authority and your power. Don't oppress the people with threats or violence. Don't see them as objects to use or manipulate or coerce. Be content. Church, our routine, everyday, local interactions provide the setting to spell out the meaning of repentance. See, both the tax collector and the soldier had to press against economic practices that advantaged them and disadvantaged others. John's words challenged the very system by making clear God's preference for those in need. And this is the ultimate act of repentance, to see others and ourselves as we are, children of God, Because God comes to remove and destroy that which separates us from each other. It's all the violence and the antagonisms and manipulations and dominations and war. So that we can live at peace with one another and experience the joy of salvation together. So by now, excuse me, by now the interest of the people was building. All are beginning to wonder could John be the Messiah? I mean, anytime a charismatic preacher is, is out preaching repentance and judgment and isn't afraid to speak to the powers of the day, people are going to start to have their hopes raised up, thinking, could this be the Messiah? 
And John says his baptism is a baptism of, of water, is a symbol of repentance, which is our part, which is our work. But the one coming, that one's baptism will be a baptism of fire, which is God's work, God's part. Today, friends, we proclaim the good news that God's judgment of love is coming, his good, delivering, healing, life-saving, life-giving judgment. This Advent, we prepare by welcoming and embracing his judgment through repentance. As we allow judgment to do its work in us, we are swept up together into the joy of salvation. So what would it mean for us to bear fruits? worthy of repentance in this Advent season. Advent is a time to stop, to slow down, to pay attention, to repent. <clears throat> and there are things that we can do in our routine, everyday local interactions, just like the crowds and the tax collectors and the soldiers. But if I'm honest, some of the problems in the world quickly feel completely overwhelming because they're so huge. I mean, there's people living in fear of economic collapse. There's people living in fear of neighborhood violence, of undocumented status. Others are experiencing extreme deprivation, just shell-shocked by what life is dealt out to them. But church, one thing we can do is stand in solidarity with them. We can see them. We can listen to them. We can identify and grieve with them. We can learn about them and from them. We can acknowledge joy has not yet come for all of us. And I know it's complicated. It's complicated. We're inextricably bound up in these systems. We've all benefited from the systems because we're a part of it. And that complicates things. We are, as the tax collectors, dependent upon these unjust systems for our livelihood. We are, as the occupying army, caught in a culture of exploitation and violence. We need wisdom and discernment in this process. It's one of the reasons why we're doing this mammon class in the spring. John's voice here, though, is a prophetic word, a word of deep insight by which we recognize that all is not well in the world, but it's also a word of hope and rejoicing, a word of God that says, all will be well. And we hang on to that hope as we stand with those who are still suffering. And we hang on to hope and make it our doxology as we actively wait for Christ. Church, embrace the waiting and the worshiping the joy and the judgment, the rejoicing and the repenting. And we come together, when we stand together, and we practice repentance together. We repent, we wait, we hope. Our Advent waiting becomes our doxology, this act of defiant, confident hope that in time all things will be, be restored because there will be a time when there will be no more Advents. But until then, we sing for joy, for the ways in which God has delivered us, is delivering us, 
and will deliver us. Until there's true peace and wholeness and goodness in all. So friends, receive the gift, the grace of Advent. Stand with the suffering. Advent waiting is active waiting. And he's making all things new. So be drawn into the active life of God. Be transformed in this waiting season. Because at the deepest level, repentance makes us more human. And becoming more human is how we prepare the way of the Lord. That is our Advent work. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.